Live podcast. My name is Roddy DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Jim Donnan, of course, is the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach and the only reason anybody's tuning in on Tuesday at noon. I know you're not here to see me or Dane, especially not Dane. Nobody cares about Dane, but fair. We need we need him to make the show work, and uh, we appreciate all of you tuning in. We had a uh, different show plan today. I had to solicit some questions on Facebook, and there's some pretty good ones on there, but. Uh, we're going to skip those because breaking news earlier, about an hour, hour and a half ago, was that Todd Munkin has left the University of Georgia and is on his way to Baltimore to be their offensive coordinator. And Mike Bobo has been announced officially as the new offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia, surprising no one at, who is a reader at UGAsports.com because we told them if Todd Munkin takes this job, Mike Bobo will likely be the guy. Actually, Dylan Rayola, the number one player in the nation, the five-star quarterback, uh, so told us on January 30th when he interviewed with Georgia or when he went visited Georgia, when he interviewed with us, he said, look, yeah, I'm very happy that uh, Todd Munkin has this opportunity. He's won a couple of titles. It's great for him to get uh, uh, interviews there. But if he leaves, they have a plan. They got a guy on staff. They're going to promote. So we this again, it's not a shock, but this has been an issue that has been hypothetical for some time, but now it is a reality. People have been debating at the UGA sports.com on the message board and the dog vent and even on the vault especially as it pertains to recruiting. But we have something special because we have a guy who knows Mike Bobo really well. He knows Todd Munkin really well and can give you a head coach's perspective on changing coordinators. Do the do the plays change? Does the system change? What does this do for the players? We can ask Coach Donnan all these questions. But first, I just want to give him get his initial thoughts on this, and then we're going to pepper the hell out of him with questions. If you have questions, put them in the comments section. We will try to work them into the show. We'll try to work on the questions that came in at ugasports.com earlier. But uh, if you have a question, you want to get the coach's take on it, drop them in there. But, Coach Donna, let's get your take on the breaking news. Well, first of all, I'm very happy for Todd, uh, just from the standpoint that, uh, you know, career-wise, uh, it's a situation where, you know, if, as, at his age, he, he wants to pursue being a coordinator in the pros, and he's got a chance to go with the team that's got – uh, you know, an established quarterback and uh, good defense, good ownership, everything that you need to uh, have a successful team, plus a, a coach that's got a, a track record of success. So uh, it, it's hard to lose a guy that's done as much as Todd's done for us. Uh, we've seen a lot of good results here. and But at the same time, uh, I'm happy for Mike. Uh, Mike's gone through a couple tough years here, uh, coaching wise and not necessarily anything to do with anything that, you know, you always got to assume responsibility, but South Carolina was really bad and Auburn, uh, you know, he did some things there, but he really wasn't in charge over there. Harson was running it. So I know that Kirby's uh, based on everything that uh, Kirby's ever done. He's, he's looked at Mike several times before and it just didn't work out. So I know Kirby's happy about it. And, uh, uh, you, you read his comments in the release. So the one thing that I always say about losing somebody is you, you just you, you can't get too caught up in the what ifs or uh, everything like that. But uh, there was smoke, there's fire when the guy's talking to these teams. It's obvious he's 
you know, has that interest. So uh, uh, we can wear ourselves out uh, talking about what's wrong and with everything. But uh, I, I really think with the team we got coming back, with the relationship Mike has with the players, with the relationship he has, established relationship of knowing uh, the, the coaches on the staff like he does, having been involved with them, uh, three of the four uh, he's been around uh, when he was a coordinator. So uh, it's really uh, it's going to be kind of a seamless transition as far as I'm concerned. And I think the biggest deal will be his terminology. Uh, will they keep the same terminology? And they probably will t- for the most part. But, I'm, you know, there's always a few wrinkles that uh, everybody puts in. But, uh, you know, I, I think from my standpoint, uh, you really would – turn this place upside down, bringing in somebody that wasn't used to these players or used to Kirby or used to the uh, system we got or the everything about it. There's, there's no need to change a winning game when you got personnel here that are very capable of doing it. So uh, um, the other thing I would say, you can't live in the past. There were things that happened in the past. You know, I made some bad calls. Mike's made some – he did a terrific job here a lot of times without much of a defense. So yeah. I'm to see how he's going to do with our defensive team in place. And uh, so there's no need uh, just going crazy uh, worrying about anything except I feel good about it. I'm happy for Todd. I'm happy for Kirby. I'm happy for Mike. I'm happy for Mike's family from the standpoint there's some stability there and the fact that they've moved several times here and now they'll be able to go to high school and uh, finish out. And then of course, Drew has always wanted to play for Mike. That's why he committed to Auburn and then he committed to Georgia when Mike became an analyst. So that'll be good too. So hunky dory, everything's hunky dory. Now, you know, I'm going to call you out. Is I know those are your feelings, but I'm going to be the devil's advocate, call you out a little bit. Is that, a hire of convenience for Kirby Smart, or is that a guy? I mean, there's a lot of names up there. Everyone's talking about what about Cliff Kingsbury? What about Joe Brady? What about? Uh, uh, I don't think that that even enters. Why didn't he interview other people? As a guy, here's the, here's the deal: the fact that Kirby let uh, Coley go shows you that Kirby's going to do what he thinks best for the program. Now, there were certain things about that that I agreed with and certain things I disagreed. I think Coley did a good job, and uh, some of it was beyond him. But Kirby felt like that needed to be make that move, Uh, just like when when, uh, we had the situation with uh, Mel Tucker leaving. He moved Lanning and and, uh, Schumann up right away. Uh, so well, there wasn't any reason to change the, the situation. The same thing here. I don't see any reason. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury coming in here or Joe Brady would be very difficult for these guys to switch switch the system now. Uh, you can do it, no yeah. question about it. But, uh, you know, just like Nick brought in a different guy uh, from outside, but he's going to run Nick's system. Uh, so this guy – Bobo already knows the terminology here. He knows the players. He's been in meetings with them. Uh, and just a little caveat that I told uh, Roddy a couple of weeks ago, I said, Mike Bobo's not on the road just for just to be on the road. There's got to be a reason for it. So he had, two, he had two really good weeks 
maybe three of being on the road and uh, getting to look at some of these sophomores and juniors. And uh, I think that was very smart by Kirby because he's, you know, got a jump start on uh, a lot of guys that, you know, he wouldn't be able to do anything on until the spring. So uh, very smart again by Kirby. So uh, he, he knew that there might be a chance that Munkin left. So he put him out there and, uh, you know, Munkin continued to recruit. And I, I think he alternated maybe Muschamp and somebody else off the road. But uh, this is not a convenient hire, you know, uh, and I will say this and people can question it, but uh, whether it's true or not, but uh, I know there were some definite interest with Kirby and Bobo uh, when Munkin was hired. I don't know exactly who he talked to first or anything like that. So this is not a that chaps my ass that anybody would think that would be a convenient hire. Mike Bobo can, is a really good football coach. Uh, he's had head coaching experience, which helped him uh, Kirby with Muschamp coming in here and, uh, you know, moved Muschamp along pretty quickly. So our staff, uh, it's going to hurt to lose Munkin in a lot of ways, but it's going to help to have Bobo in a lot of ways, recruiting uh, players around, you know, knowing the coaches in the state. Uh, he's got an existing relationship with Rayola and, uh, Politsky, uh, however you pronounce his name, he already knows them. A new coach would have to figure that out, you know. So uh, I'm not going to talk about that anymore, except <laughs> when they ask me again, I'll say the same answer. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a higher convenience, but I do think it's one that is about stability. So Todd Munkin leaves. Buster Faulkner already left. Stetson Bennett, who's the stabilizing spot at quarterback, is not coming back. So in terms of getting that offense going – you need as much stabilizing as possible. And I think what you said, Coach, about Will Muschamp stepping in seamlessly for Dan Lanning, this feels a lot like that to me. And in terms of Georgia's dynasty as it is right now, this probably lengthens it because it's not very likely that Will Muschamp or Mike Bobo would leave from these spots to go somewhere else. So in terms of stability, I think Georgia's probably maximizing that with this move. Right. 100%. I had not thought about it from that standpoint. I, I guess – and we had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that this was going to be a recurring issue that uh, Todd Munkin each year would be, you know, get calls from the NFL. So he got calls this time around. And, you know, we'd heard last Wednesday that, oh, well, he, he's really looking hard at this. I'm like, well, we'll see. And then I was told today, hey, new decision day is coming tomorrow. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, let's find out. And again, I didn't know what was, what was going to happen. But sure enough, apparently Kirby's known about this for a couple of days now, but the real issue is I want to touch on what you said, coach, the fact that they had him out on the road, you know, they're only allowed to have 10 people on the road. And so if Mike Bobo's on the road, that means one of your position coaches is not on the road. You can't just bring him because he's an analyst or something like that. They're, they're limited in the number of people. So he's been setting it up. We had, you mentioned Dylan Rayola coach. Um, and we mentioned him in the, in the opening uh, section there. This is a guy who really, he and his dad love Mike Bobo. So that's only going to help Georgia's situation there. And a lot of people are like, well, what about the quarterbacks? And you you mentioned last week that Todd Munkin was more of a wide receivers coach than a quarterbacks coach. And Mike Bobo is known for having developed some really good quarterbacks. So it's going to help. I mean, I don't think you could say more of it. I mean, he's, he, he kind of cut his – Got his uh, niche as a receiver, but he's really good with the quarterbacks too. I don't yeah. want to. I would never no, say. I mean, 
But I, I would say this, that anybody out there uh, talking about Mike's relationship, Mike recruited and, you know, recruited uh, Matthew Stafford, coached him. Stafford was the quarterback for Real. Uh, all Stafford's going to do is talk Mike Bobo up to the max with uh, Riola and his parents. I mean, you can't – there's no way that he could have anybody here that Stafford would back as a, as a personal friend, which, you know, he wants the kid uh, to do have – have a success and everything, and he's got a relationship with, uh, with his dad. So uh, nothing better than the – Somebody you played with uh, give you that kind of recommendation. Hey, this guy directed me, coached me, and uh, I, I feel like your son would really benefit from playing for him. I mean, you, you can't beat that. Well, you're also going to have uh, Stafford. You'll have uh, a ton of other quarterbacks who are going to pound the drum. But again, you can't do it just you know just based on one kid. When it comes to recruiting and it comes to Kirby Smart's success at Georgia, and I will stand on the table and pound this into the ground. Kirby's success is built on having better players than just about anybody he faces. The difference between, you know, Mark Richt and uh, the Kirby Smart eras is the fact that, yes, Mark Rick had some great players. Mike Bobo had some great skill players. He didn't have the defense, as you mentioned, uh, Coach. He didn't have the offensive lines that uh, Kirby Smart's having when they didn't have the depth, you can go back and point out some of these guys that went to the NFL, but when you lose Adam Anderson last year, you lose Nolan Smith this year, and you're able to plug a guy in there who's able to make a sack, you know, you get Jalen Walker come off the edge on a third down in the national championship game, a true freshman, the depth that Georgia has, because they are so dominant in recruiting, that's what Kirby's smart success is. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Todd Munkin, but, Having a Brock Bowers, and, and again, losing your wide receiver one, your top wide receiver two years in a row for most of the season. The other let guys. Me, let me just point this out: Is there anybody on this this listening to this show that would say, uh, in, in complete fairness, that every if you take our top fifteen players from last year, uh, the only one, and I think this guy will probably be drafted too, is Trust. Name one of those fifteen that's not going to be drafted. They all will. This so is a challenge. How many, many teams? I'm talking about offense. How many teams in the in, that we played would have more than maybe three or four guys drafted beside Ohio State or Alabama? Not many. Not so we, we definitely got an edge uh, personnel wise. We definitely got an edge development wise recruiting. But you got to put it together. And you look at our team the least penalized team in the SEC, Alabama, the most penalized team in the SEC. And that, that's that's coaching. That's uh, discipline. That's what it might be, uh, the way Todd demands that stuff, the way Kirby demands it, the defense demands it. So uh, it's one thing to have good players, but you got to coach them and, and make them uh, execute too. But uh, no, I agree 100%. That's my point is – Kirby Smart has built his system. You talk about how he's going to run the offensive system that he wants, and he's going to make – Mike Bubba knows that system. There won't be a lot of changes there. It'll be the same stuff. Uh, but the core is having great players. Mike Bobo, we're talking about Dylan Rayola and the relationship they have. I've seen Mike beat Kirby Smart, beat Nick Saban, four players in Georgia, bringing them to a team that, you know, hadn't won as many – hadn't won two titles back-to-back. 
Now when Mike Bobo walks into a high school and says, look, I'm back. I've been, he's been 20 years at UGA, this guy. And the players will tell you it's different playing for a guy when he's at his alma mater. You know, he bleeds for Georgia. He loves Georgia. Same with Kirby Smart. And to have those two on the same team recruiting, you know, with uh, uh, Todd Hartley and uh, Brian McClendon, that's just nasty. That's just – the pipeline is going to continue. Is my point. Five guys that went to Georgia. So, uh, so uh, I think – let's get some questions here. We're beating the dead horse. No, well, I do think there's one ramification from this immediately because we can talk about recruiting. We can talk about future stuff. I think this shakes up Georgia's quarterback – competition heading into the spring like i know that todd munkin was one of the the bigger champions for carson beck and carson beck may still end up being the starter but i I think this is more wide open of a competition now than probably it it would have been otherwise and so i I think vandergriff's right in this i think stockton's right in this it's going to be a long time before we know who georgia's starting quarterback is for the 2023 season yeah i mean that's given uh Regardless if Munkin was here or not, you you go into the fall because 15 days is not enough. But there there is a good uh, kind of a – it's like when I went to Oklahoma, everybody's starting fresh, you know, uh, with the new coach. I mean, regardless if he's been here or not, you haven't been in the room, running the room, and now you're going to do it your way, and the players have to adjust a little bit. But the biggest thing is adjust to the players. Uh and your style, every coach has got a different style, but it all emanates from the head coach who uh, very demanding on the way the players practice and execute and the coaches have to, you know, do the same. So, um, it, you know, wise man changes and a fool never does. I don't see any reason for any change around here right now. It's just you got a winning game going. Let's don't do anything to disrupt it. Speaking of not disrupting your game plan, I want to mention our friends over at Dead Socks because if you're trying to be consistent, you want to reach in that sock drawer and get out something that feels comfortable on your feet, something that won't slide down. You're constantly having to bend over, pull your bloody socks up, and it's frustrating as hell. Uh, get the socks. They're incredibly comfortable. They have the True State technology. They're the softest ones you'll ever get. They will be your favorite socks. You will absolutely love them. Uh, folks at UJ Sports who have tried these rave about them. Of course, they have the, you know, the, colors you know the red and black uh the uh if you have friends or family who follow other teams and it's bad enough they follow other teams that's not a, you know, it sucks for them uh but at least they don't have to suffer with crappy socks so if for valentine's day or father's day or mother's day or you know some sort of celebration or birthday you can get them socks for their teams but if you're a georgia fan i'm just saying dead socks he came on two years ago george won two back-to-back national titles we said they were lucky socks. They seem to be that way. So hit up our friends at uh, Dead Socks. Use promo code UGA Sports to get a discount on all the socks that they have going on right now. They have a buy one get one free offer on any bundles. You see the uh, bundle deal there where they have four of them. Buy one of those, get the next bundle half off. Or if you buy one set of pair of socks, you get the second one for free. So hit them up. Also want to mention our friends at uh, Your Pie. I need to mention them first off the bat because. It's uh, 1223. If you're trying to uh, come up with something for lunch, grab your YourPie app, punch in your uh, what type of uh, uh, crust you want, what type of sauce you want, what type of toppings you want. Uh, add as many toppings to it as you like. Go ahead and say, look, I either want to pick it up or I want it delivered or uh, however you want to do it. 
today is Tuesday. You can now you can go to work for Wednesday, Thursday, you know, Friday, whenever. But if you're trying to get something done today, we want to mention them first. So while you're listening to the next segment of the show, you can go ahead and be punching in your order on the Europi app, and you'll get double points for it. The points add up very quickly for every dollar you spend, and you can get a free pizza, free gelato, free brownie, uh, free drinks, uh, free breadsticks, all sorts of fantastic stuff through the Europi app. Hit them up. Shout out to Drew and Natalie French and uh, their amazing children. Coach, one thing I did want to do, just because you've known him for a long time, Mike Bobo, the player, Mike Bobo, the young coach, now Mike Bobo, the veteran coach, just him as a person, memories that you have with him early in his playing career, uh, latest with him, because I know he had some health scares late at the Colorado State tenure, just anything your brain goes to when I say Mike Bobo, the human being. Well, you know, he, he's a classy guy. I mean, uh, unbelievable father or husband. You know, he's been dating Lainey uh, since they were in college, and then they got married. So uh, been been together a long time. And, uh, you know, I know his dad was an excellent coach in high school, and I uh, have a lot of respect for him. He still is around here. I never will forget we're playing in the uh, – bowl game down there and Mike was having a terrible week practice. I'm talking about he, he couldn't throw the ball in the ocean from a rowboat. And, uh, you know, I, I finally went up to George and I said, can you see anything here? This is his last game and I really want him to do well, but he, he he's really struggling. You know, he had such a good game against Tech a couple weeks before that. And uh, he said, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know either. He said, I can't figure it out. He said, I guess the best thing, just to let him alone. Maybe he'll get riled up during the game. And so we came out the first play, and we ran the, similar to what an RPO is, where we, you, you, uh, if, if, the, if they're not playing press coverage, we're going to run the screen to Heinz Ward. If they are, then we're going to run, go on and run another play, a running play. And uh, they backed off the first play. We're playing Wisconsin, and he came back there and hit Heinz and, I think 27 out of 29 on the day and uh, just unbelievable day. But this goes to show you, I mean, sometimes guys in practice and then we play against Florida, uh, you know, the first half, I think he took two or three interceptions. And excuse, excuse my language. And I said, Mike, I said, we got a really good chance to win today if you don't keep pissing down your leg. And uh, he said, <laughs> coach, he said, I can't figure it out. So I'm going to do better. I said, well, I'm going to hang with you. I said, but, we, we you know we can really beat these guys. Our defense is playing good. You know, Kirby intercepted two passes, and second half we just killed them. You know, but uh, I remember saying that to Mike. The other thing that I remember is the first year was you know we made some mistakes personnel wise. I, I did a poor job. I spent too much, way too much time trying to raise money for weight room and not getting to know our players and just not as good a job evaluating personnel as I needed to. But that summer. Mike and uh, some of the older guys really did a good job with our team and organizing the workouts and, and, and getting together and building the camaraderie that you got to have that we didn't have. And he showed a lot of leadership there too. And Kirby was involved in that too. Just saying, look, we got this. This is the coach. There's nothing we can do about uh, why he was hired and why he didn't let's build in and buy into what he's doing a little better. And, uh, I did a lot better job, but the players did too. And I, I never will forget the way Mike rallied those guys. And then, uh, you know, when he got out of school, I got him a GA job here and uh, helped him get started. And then 
my last year, he went to uh, over to Jacksonville State for a year, and then Coach Rick brought him back. And uh, he's he just a very loyal guy and very, very astute, knows the game. Uh, we used to have uh, every Thursday, I always did this with any quarterback that I had, whoever the starter was. I would have him in my office for about 30 minutes before the actual quarterback the offensive meeting. And I would basically say, what do you like? I mean, I know what I like. What do you like? And he was always prepared. You know, he had some stuff and he said, coach, I know you like this, but I don't really, I'm not very comfortable with it or something like that. But he would stand up to you, but it's always good to have that kind of, you know, communication where a coach, and player can talk and uh, because it's important that you don't try to force feed something. So those are a couple of things that, uh, that I remember. And then the last thing was when he's getting ready to go interview for uh, the uh, Colorado state uh, job, I got him over here in my house for about three different sessions and taught him some of the things that I'd learned from ESPN. And I said, you know, Hey Mike, these people don't know you and, You've got you're not going to have a chance, but one time here, and you know this first impression is going to be important. So you just can't be Mike Bobo, the you know Mister uh, Straight Ahead. I mean, you've got to you've got to come in there with a lot of energy, and he does have energy, but he's and so we we ended up. Uh, I think it helped him a little bit practicing those interview techniques, and he went out there and knocked them dead and uh, got the job, and uh, you know really very similar to some places they got it going on offense and then their defense let them down, you know, and uh, just at the end result, uh, just didn't work out as good as it needed to. But uh, I was going to ask you coach, well, you know, uh, the question came up on the, the board a few days ago. What, and again, I thought it was unfair to use his stint as a head coach at Colorado state as his worthiness to be the offensive coordinator at Georgia. But the question came up, what happened out there? And the question is also popping up: How is his health? Because we know he had some health issues out there. So yeah, he how, he, how is he had some. Uh, you know, th th there's no question. He took over a pretty good program that McElwain was the coach, and uh, he, they did some good things. But they just uh, and they recruited pretty well. You look some some of these guys that are playing uh, pro ball. That receiver for the uh, Cowboys was one of his guys that, that did well. But uh, you know, it kind of uh, as far as the neuropathy or the issue with his uh, uh, lower legs, I think they've got the medication there where it's, it's still a, a very, you know, serious situation, but he's moving around a lot better. You know, he couldn't hardly walk at all. He had to do some calling from the press box when he was out. At, uh, so it's not fair for me to comment on exactly how his health is now, except I do know that he – showed a lot of energy to practice the days I was out there. And he, you know, he doesn't, he can't run around and like Kirby can, but. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess, is there any limitations was, was probably the thing. So I don't, I don't see that. Uh, I don't see that at all. Well, Roddy, I, I wanted to ask you a question though, because we glossed on the recruiting piece of this, but the fact that Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Mike Bobo, Todd Hartley went to Georgia. Dale McGee is a Georgia legend, didn't go to UGA, but like in the state, that name means a lot, especially in the western part of the state. What does it mean to recruit Brian in the state McClendon of Georgia? Too. Brian McClendon winner. 
yeah, McClendon is, is one I forgot. And even when you go beyond those guys, you get into like some of the better recruiters in the country and Trey Scott and uh, Uzi Deribe is, is a rising star, Fran Brown the same. Just like when you're recruiting the state of Georgia for the next however many years, what does that mean for the staff and this team? Well, for the fo- folks who are not members of UJSports.com, and you really should be, it's 27 cents a day, so sign up. We have updates every day on recruiting. And if you read what those kids say, not a lot of people, they just want to cut to the chase. Is the kid coming to Georgia or is he not? They don't want the blow by blow. But I, I beg them to read the story, the initial story, when a 2024, 2025 kid gets an offer. And he says, I spoke to uh, Brian McClendon. Here's what he said. When I spoke to uh, Todd Hartley, and this is what he said about playing at Georgia. They will mention how the coaches love for the school and the family. They come on a visit and they talk about the coaches there care so much and they, you can tell they love their school. In other words, the every high school kid should know if most of them do know, but maybe they're, they're not thinking about it. That the coach who's recruiting you today could be gone tomorrow. And it's true with any of the coaches that are in Georgia right now, they could be gone as we're seeing with Todd Munkin, but they also know that that coach is at his alma mater and it means something to him. And a lot of kids, I mean, Kirby Smart had a tough road to hoe when he came in and said, I'm going to fix something that hasn't happened at UGA in 30 something years. I'm going to win a national championship at my alma mater. And he had to get those kids to believe that when you're going up against Alabama, who's winning them all the time, you're going up against Clemson, who's hot, red hot. You're going up against Ohio state who's winning he got those kids to believe it, but a lot of it had to do with the fact he's like, this is my school, damn it, and we're going to win here. And a lot of them came in and said, I think we can win it. I, I believe Kirby. Now he's done it twice, and you've got the other coaches. So if you're a, you know offensive line coach, I mean offensive lineman, or you're a wide receiver, you're a tight end, you're you know any position, you're like, they got some guys there who live and die and bleed for that school. They, you know, I'm trying. I'm chasing Kirby Smart's interception record, you know, in a game. I'm chasing Kirk, uh, Mike Bobo's, you know, completion percentage in a game. You know, that's your. Oh, that's a Grayson Lambert record these days. Oh, I know. Okay. Do, do not But the point is, you're well, maybe not in a bowl game, a regular season game. So Fair. you're chasing uh, Mike Bobo's bowl record. But the point is, when you look and you see team captain Will Muschamp, you know, oh, Brian McClendon over here and the stuff he did. Hey, look, Todd Harley's a graduate. You know, you see that stuff, and it. I'm not saying you don't expect them to leave because you know they can, but it gives you a different feel instead of that kind of the mercenary at Miami who's recruiting you to come there. The guy from State. So we see that amongst these alumni. Now, sometimes, uh, you know, kids are like, ah, oh, well, he, of course he loves his school. He's gonna, he's gonna say great things about his school because that's where he went. You know, maybe I need to make a different thing, but. Again, I don't want you. I don't want to gloss over how important recruiting is, and Mike Bobo is a ridiculous recruiter. Just look at Todd Gurley, uh, Marshall, Trenton Thompson. I mean, he, he got Trenton Thompson from uh, South Georgia. <laughs> uh, Mike Bobo is a legend recruiting in South Georgia. Legend. Well, Coach, I go back to what you told us a few weeks ago, oh, which was the most overrated thing in football is play calling. Because a good player can turn a bad play into a good play, and vice versa. Like the, the same can be true. Georgia has players like that is not questioned. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I say that is, and it's certainly 
preparation and getting your team organized and having a plan and attacking people and calling to play in a crucial situation. That, that's awesome and everything. I mean, you got to do that. So when I say it's overrated, I mean, to the point where you, you just, my feeling is that the, the staff gets together and you, and you, but your quarterback really controls the game by the way they play in the day. You watched the other day, my hurts and, and Mahomes doing a lot of RPOs and doing things like that. But, uh, you know, we had a staff meeting one time at Oklahoma, and Barry Switzer said, do you really think that we're going to outcoach Tom Osborne? Do you really think he's going to, do you really think he's going to outcoach us? We got good coaches in there. We got to let our players play and, and understand ego-wise that you're not going to make the perfect call and you're going to you're going to – do all this stuff. Hey, let the players play and and have a plan where you're not going to beat yourself. But I've never forgot that. I said, hey, we're not going to outcoach Tom Osborne, and mm-hmm. even though he beat him twelve out of seventeen. But uh, how many was that? He was twelve and five against him in one tie. <laughs> it made me laugh that Vic Fangio was brought in for two weeks to coach for the Super Bowl, and that he would have won a Super Bowl ring had the Eagles won that game. And this guy's going to get four and a half million dollars to be the Dolphins defensive coordinator. That's smart. That was smart by them, even though they lost. I think it's good to bring in people and look at your team uh, uh, that's from the outside a little bit. They usually don't get that till after the season's over. This guy's a free agent. He comes in there and looks at the team and, you know, he scored 35 points. You ought to win. Uh, But the, the, but they forgot who, Devontae Smith was in the second half, and they also stopped running hurt. So play calling was a little underrated in that game. Well, Andy Reid was just putting on a clinic with some of those receiver routes. Good Lord. Yeah, that was a good job of of uh, studying their motion adjustment and knowing they were going to bump things over. And then at the last second, taking a guy back out in the flat, hit him twice with it, and then tried to hit it a third time, and the guy got called for holding, but the, the tough part about that for anybody who wants to gripe about the call is the guy said, hey, I held him. So yeah. that makes it easy on the officials. Yeah. Uh, that does bring up a good question for folks uh, who don't really – I don't say they don't know Mike Bubba. What is – we knew that with Todd Munkin, and he, he, in his own words, he goes, I want to throw the ball. I'm looking to throw the ball. I want to throw first. That You know, that that was his MO. That's what he wanted to do. He's uh, – I don't say air raid guy, but he wanted to get, put the ball in the air. What is Mike Bobo's offensive philosophy? What I mean, you coached him. Do you know what he likes, what he doesn't? You had those Thursday meetings with him and what he was comfortable with. I'm getting that, and I know that's him personally. And I know a lot of it will have to do with his, his personnel that he has. But can you put a – what is Mike Bobo's offensive – If in a perfect world where he's making all the decisions, what, what does Mike Bobo do? Same as what Todd Munkin did, what Coley did, what – Everybody here, whatever Kirby wants them to do. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So what is Kirby? So that does bring up the second question. Then how Kirby, much? I mean, Kirby leaves you alone. He leaves you alone, but he gives you the parameters of what he wants. Okay. And uh, they, they go over every Saturday. They go over, you know, the way you're going to play the game based on how good your defense is and how bad their offense is, all that stuff. So. Uh, uh, you see see a lot of that at the end of the half, the way we call plays based on the, the way things are going with the defense. And, you know, we call timeout when we think we can, you know, our defense can hold them and we can, if we don't make a two-minute offense. But it's uh, Kirby, 
without question is the dictates what we do on everything. Special teams, I mean, those guys, they, they just sit around and wait for Kirby to come in there and say yay or nay on every special team decision, which that's the way it should be. You're the head coach. Well, Coach, I, I hear you, and, and I agree with you, and part of that's because I've sat beside you and learned from you. But I think a lot of fans would say you can tell me that what Coley did and what Munkin did are similar, but the results were very different. Is that all because of personnel? No, I, I mean, uh, what I'm saying is that the, the philosophy that we had with Coley changed a little bit with Munkin from the standpoint of uh, some of the things we did formationally. And, for you know, I don't want to get into that too much, but it all evolves from the fact that Kirby wanted to see a little more of this that Munkin brought in. And I think he'll say the same thing to Mike. Look, you know, hey, this is what we want to do. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Kirby will come in there just like any coach, uh, like I've done it. I'll come in and, hey, I'm going to suggest that we do this and we're going to look at this and look at this. And then sometimes he'll come in and say, I'm not suggesting it. I'm telling you. This is what we're going to do. So uh, that's that's the way I always did it. That's the way every coach does. But you want your coaches to have – feel good about it. And it's hard to call a game if you're talking to them during the game. You just got to talk, you know, in between series and all. and Or or say when it's third and six and you're on the 40-yard line, say, hey, we're, we're in a four-down zone there. Or, you know, hey, if we don't make it, we're going to punt. You know what I'm saying? So that helps the play caller too. I can promise you that Mike Bobo has not called plays for a player like Brock Bowers before. So at minimum, that changes what he's going to be because that guy's a freak. And you could go to the running backs and say, has a Mike Bobo team ever had bruisers together like a Milton and a Robinson? Maybe if you go back to some of the previous teams. We we didn't have any offensive linemen drafted in the first round in a long time, Uh, you know, over like back to 2002 or three. I think the guy went with the uh, Bills that – Corey or whatever his name was. I can't remember his name. But uh, go back to that Hudson Mason team. Hudson threw for like 2,200 yards. But he I would say, I would say, I would say that Randy McMichael, pretty, pretty strong uh, example of somebody like Bowers, uh, you know, a hybrid guy that Mike threw to some. But uh, I don't know that Mike threw it to him a whole lot because Randy came in later. But, uh, you know, uh, Jermaine Wiggins was good. Larry Brown, but Brock Bowers, unreal. And then to, you know, comparing Coley to uh, uh, Todd Munkin, I don't think Coley had Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington side by side standing over there. Not to say that, you know, sometimes it is just the player. Yeah, I think the thing with Coley that really hurt was the lack of wide receivers. Guys getting hurt, Holloman getting kicked off the team. You know, we, we were. Uh, and we, we got Cager in here. Finally, he played great against Florida. I mean, the game Coley and Fromm had against Florida was unbelievable. All the third down conversions, uh, just tremendous game. So, uh, well, and I think one thing that we've all learned to to maximize Georgia's offense, you have to have a quarterback that can extend plays and move at least to the degree that, that Stetson Bennett did. And he's a great athlete. But going forward, I think you're going to see mobile quarterbacks from here on out. Uh, that's going to be to me is interesting of what Todd Munkin does with Lamar Jackson. That'll be fun to watch if he's there. I mean that that's a situation. He's going to be there for at least a year. They're going. There's no way they're not going to franchise him. I mean they, they got to. They'll they'll 
unless they get all of a sudden Rodgers wants to come there in a trade or something. But I'll be curious to see if they'll draft Darnell Washington. <laughs> well, yeah, here's the thing. They got a good tight end in Andrews, a kid from Oklahoma, and they got a really good defense. The defensive coach there, McDonald, was the guy that we frosted at Michigan two years ago, and I'm sure he told uh, Harbaugh, I said, look, I studied this guy's film, and they just waxed our ass in that Orange Bowl. This guy knows what he's doing. I know that McDonald had to be a good guy to talk about uh, bunking on offense because, you know, he, he had a chance to study him. So, uh, And you go into these these interviews, uh, you, you have to talk to the staff, but you also – they have the defensive coaches in there listening to you too. And uh, so it, I guarantee you Monk can go in any room in America and wow, I'm on the, on the grease board though. He, he's good. I can tell you what wowed me last night though, Roddy. And that was a meal at Academia Brewing Company. We went there last night. I had not had their flatbreads before. So I was excited to give that a shot. And I'm scrolling on their uh, menu right now. I got the smokehouse flatbread. They had the beer the chicken, bacon, pineapple, jalapeno, and feta. It was great. My wife took a, a bite of it. She said, yeah, I, I kind of wish I would have gotten that. But she had a great meal, too. She grabbed a burger from there. They just had the Super Bowl party out there at uh, Academia Brewing Company, and you could tell that was a really great, a great atmosphere. They have a Valentine's special tonight, uh, special drinks. Uh, and like you say all the time, Roddy, the thing that differentiates them as a brewing company and a brewery is that they have a really great kitchen chefs out there you, know, you really can't find better food uh, especially on a part of athens that's being revitalized right now so academia brewing company go check them out maybe grab some beer to go if that's your uh, jam to do it out that way again smokehouse flatbread uh, i would definitely go get that again tonight and they also had some uh, tacos this week because they started them for their uh, uh the super bowl party uh, slow cooked beef tacos topped with feta cheese and strawberry pico de gallos and hit that up uh, if you are not in a place where you can uh, swing by Academia Brewing Company, but you want some good food, hit up our friends at Prime Shrimp. Now, this is a company that makes uh, seafood processing equipment that they sell for you know, tons of money. But they also put some of that equipment to use and they peel and devein shrimp. And then they package it in these uh, freezer bags that you can boil up and sell it to the public. So go to primeshrimp.com, use promo code UJ Sports, get 20% off your first order. And it's incredibly easy to do. Basically, it's if you remember the boiling bag, well, I think they called it minute rice. You know, we used to eat that stuff in the dorm all the time when you could have a hot plate, boil some water, or uh, somebody had a microwave, you know, put, put it into the water and uh, hit it in the microwave. It's basically the kind of the same concept. You take one of these packets they have you drop it into boiling water flip it over uh, take it out in 10 minutes you're ready to go so um, they have new flavors the new the new new orleans style barbecue shrimp if you've ever been to uh, bourbon house and tried their barbecue shrimp it's fantastic you can now get uh, the barbecue style shrimp from prime shrimp try it you'll absolutely love it folks have done it ujsports.com they rave about it they buy again and again from them because it's super simple, and I guarantee you that I will have some of that uh, before uh, Wednesday. So I'm going to have uh, – I got some I, – I had a new order come in is my point, and I'll be popping that in because I love to make the uh, shrimp tacos. So uh, try them when you get a chance. 
I want to get into some of the questions we have from UGASports.com, and these were pre the news of Todd Munkin leaving and Mike Bobo being hired. Uh, this is one that was DM'd to me because NYDog34 lives on the West Coast and sometimes misses live, but he wanted to get this question in the coach. He said, given that we start to hear this time of year about upcoming rule changes to the sport, are there any rules you think that should be made to improve college football game flow, recruiting, off-season player development, that kind of thing? Or are there any recent rule changes that haven't played out quite as well as they were intended or should be reevaluated? Yeah, I know they had the rule up uh, that we're talking at the last meeting about letting analysts uh, actually come on the field and help coach. I think that would be a real beneficial thing for the players, but also the analysts, the younger guys, to get a chance to develop their coaching skills and uh, – and, uh, you know, help their professional development. But for some reason, that, that didn't pass. Uh, I've always been a proponent of the pro rule of having uh, you have a pass interference being a spot foul instead of 15 yards. I wish we had that. But defensive coaches. And, and then the one rule that just is not fair defensively is the lineman can be three yards downfield. That's just hard to – to really play pass defense when a lineman can actually run a running play and you still throw the ball. So I think it'd be great if they could make that a two-yard rule like the pros. So um, as far as new rules this year, there's always going to be looking at targeting and things like that and how they evaluate it. But uh, I think we got a good game. I think they're always talking about (coughs) speeding the game up and utilizing the same kind of clock where you do in the pros maybe a little bit where you don't necessarily stop the clock for certain things on the first down like like they do here in the college. But uh, I can't think anything else. Can y'all? I just if, if there's more language about what's a catch and what isn't because I feel like all the games get stalled out by, well, that looked like a catch, but it kind of wasn't. Maybe we'll think about it and look at it four times. I wish they would do something. If you can microchip the ball, the, the placements. We complained about this on the watch along where guy runs out of bounds and the side judge runs over, picks up the ball and moves it two yards back from where he actually ran out. And you're like, wait a minute, that's the difference between, you know, third and one and first and 10. I'm like, you've got to, there's got to be some sort of technology that lets you know when the ball crossed out of bounds or how far the ball advanced, you know, in a scrum. The, the placements are just, they feel willy-nilly. And I I'm just thinking about Ryan Day pointing the, like three yards ahead of his <laughs> went out of bounds. Like, no, dude, it didn't go out right there, I promise you. And thank goodness, again, go back to that uh, Brock Bowers diving, you know, out of bounds, putting his hand down, converting the third down for Georgia to get him a new set of downs. If you didn't have cameras there to get the angles right, you know, yeah. then maybe the outcome of that game is completely different. So, come on, just – you got the technology – put the chips in the balls or whatever and get it, get it right. From OU Herschel Walker coach going into spring practice. What do you feel will be the most contested position besides quarterback? Uh, also is the most, is that the most important position besides quarterback? It's what? All right. What, what position in spring practice is going to be most contested on the depth chart is the question. Yeah. You got to say quarterback just because it's the least, uh, experienced group coming back. Um, uh, but but also, uh, we're going to have to find some corners, uh, not only to play regular defense, but nickel and dime. And uh, we got a lot of defensive backs in here early, so we ought to be able to 
make that happen. Uh, so I would say those two positions and then developing some real adequate depth in the offensive line and also finding out who our left tackle is going to be. Is that going to be uh, green or, or are we going to move the, you know, the other guy over there? Uh, trust. Uh, trust can play out there. He played, but, uh, you know, I think left tackle, quarterback, and corner. This question from Dr. Diggler says, Coach, thanks for always being on the show. In the past, you've mentioned bringing on Coach Switzer as a guest one week. Any way to make that happen? Yeah, we can have it happen. I mean, you know, he got to watch the language a little bit. <laughs> we'll have a not safe for work podcast. No, but no, he's 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 not a he doesn't do it on purpose. But he, you know, he's got says a few things that maybe might offend people. But he, we'll get him on here. That'd be good. I don't even know if me and you would need to be on that, Roddy. I think we just need to set it up and let them go and turn it off at the end. He can tell, he can tell some stories now. He, Tell some recruiting stories. Unbelievable. See, I would just ask him embarrassing stories about you, Coach. <laughs> he could tell those, too. Uh, he could tell a lot on me, uh, for sure. Hey, I know we have some other questions there, but I want to mention uh, one of our other sponsors before we uh, uh, get to the next question here. Uh, our friends out at Athens Ford, they're up to like almost 350 vehicles now. Again, it's down from their 1,000 vehicles or 12, 1,300 they've had in the past, but you know, they dig it down to 200 when during the rough parts of COVID. Now they're really starting to get a lot more stock in. So if you need a vehicle, you need a pre-owned vehicle, you need a brand new one, swing by our friends at Athens Ford. Let them take care of you. They've got F-150s in stock. They've got Explorers. They've got uh, Escapes and a ton of uh, uh, certified pre-owned vehicles. Uh, they've got Broncos. It's tough to find Broncos, but they actually have them. So swing by Athens Ford. Uh, they do have... Um, a uh, an announcement that from um, the 17th to the 20th, they're going to be closing uh, for remodeling their service and parts areas. So if, if you're looking to get service done during that time uh, or you need some parts, that's going to be a little iffy from the 12th, uh, 17th to the 20th. But again, they're growing, uh, they're remodeling. They've only been there 10 years and already remodeling. Point being, these folks are a huge uh place to go get your vehicles. Uh, they got a ton of vehicles on the lot. They got great uh, customer service. Uh, if you're looking, and again, it doesn't have to be a Ford. They have their uh, pre-owned vehicles. They got Jeeps and Hondas and Toyotas and everything out there. And But here's anything you buy from them. If it's a new vehicle or a certified pre-owned or a pre-owned vehicle 100,000 miles, it will very likely have the lifetime powertrain warranty on it. So hit them up when you need a new vehicle. Before we go any further here, because I'm worried about the time, but I got to tell you this joke because uh, I haven't been doing as good a job on the jokes. But this one here uh, really, th th this lady was 80 years old and was getting ready for a fourth husband. The three previous ones had died and uh, they were at the reception and uh, she's talking to this guy and he said, you know, I noticed it you know, this is your, you've said this is your fourth husband and he's actually uh, a mortician. And uh, tell me about your other three husbands. And she said, well, my first one was uh, a banker and uh, we had plenty of money and had a good time. Everything went. And then he suddenly died, uh, you know, 30 years ago. And 
said, wow. I said, my second one was really exciting. He said, he worked in a circus and he was a ringmaster. You know, we went all over the world, touring the world and just had an unbelievable marriage. And, and then, uh, unfortunately, he died about 15 years ago. And then uh, uh, at the service, I, I, I got uh, the, the pastor was such a nice guy and, I, and his wife had passed away and we started getting together and finally we got married. So my third marriage was to a pastor and, uh, you know, he, he died about five years ago and now I'm marrying this guy. It's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready and four to go. Impeccable delivery. You did that well. All right. That's, that's a good joke, man. <laughs> I this is gonna get some grief on that one, but I thought it's pretty good. This is gonna test your transition ability, Roddy, to get that to my perfect franchise. I'm curious to see how you're gonna treat this. Hey, if you're trying to get one for the money, I can help you there. We got our buddies at My Perfect Franchise. They will take care of you. If you're trying to change your job or change your husband or change your career trajectory, hit up our friends at My Perfect Franchise. Uh, Andy Ludecki, Brandon Beachy, the former Georgia Braves pitcher, they are there to, to say, look, what are you looking for? Uh, you, you know, what are you looking for in your new life? You know, are you trying to get out of the rat race? Or are you a, a mid-level corporate exec who's just sick of, you know, working for somebody else? Tell us what your parameters are. How much time do you want to put into it? How much money do you want to put into it? What do you, what uh, returns do you want? There are 3,000 different franchises out there that they can guide you to. So if it's, uh, you know, every question you answer will help them customize a plan for you. And it's 100% free. So you're not. it's not going to cost you anything to reach out to them. So hit up My Perfect Franchise when you get the chance. From Sikkim Dogs, as someone who spent time in the old North State, I love your opinions on North Carolina barbecue. It's the best hands down. Who would be your three permanent opponents for Georgia in the new scheduling model? Thanks for all that you do. Mine? Yeah. Uh, or if you'd rather talk about North Carolina barbecue. Like, we can no, do that. I like to play Vandy home and home. <laughs> <laughs> Vandy, Mississippi State. <laughs> no, I mean you got you're gonna have to keep Auburn and Florida. I mean those are just gonna be, you know, you're not gonna change those. The question is gonna be is Alabama and, and Auburn gonna come over to our state, and are you gonna play nine games? So uh, probably the way I hear it, it's gonna be Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina. But you, you never know. I mean, there's no way to. To, you know, all of a sudden you got Oklahoma and Texas coming in. Is Oklahoma going to play Oklahoma, play Texas, Texas A&M, and who else? Or, you know, Arkansas, how's that going to be? But here's the thing about it. Since Oklahoma and Texas decided to come into the league two and a half years ago, their record is 30 and 21. Uh, the coach at, at uh, Oklahoma has the worst record they've had since 1997. The coach, as Coach Sarkeesian, has not had as good a record as either coach that it preceded him at Texas. <laughs> so we're not getting two juggernaut teams. You certainly get blue blood programs, and you're getting their Oklahoma softball and gymnastics and all that stuff. And Texas overall program going to help the conference as a whole for sure. But football wise, uh, we're going to go to the twelve 
team playoffs. So it's going to help your strength of schedule uh, playing more teams in the league. No question about it. Cause we'll get four or five teams in here, but uh, as far as it's just conjecture, how it's going to all pan out. With South yeah, Carolina. Three that you would want every year. Who would I want? Yeah. That you feel oh. that Georgia, if you're three guaranteed, you have to play them every year, no matter well, what. You've got to play Florida and Auburn. I mean, there's I no agree. question that you can't change that. And are you going to change the Florida game here now? What are you going to do? Is Oklahoma, Texas still going to be in uh, Dallas? I mean, how's, you know, how's the SEC going to handle that? But, uh, you know, Tennessee certainly uh, is, is a viable one, but you just got to be fair, too. I mean, you know, South Carolina's on the up and up, but, uh, you know, I, I just think that, that, that those three make the most sense to me. With South Carolina, do you realize that as of today, their last three official head coaches are Kirby Smart assistants, Shane Beamer, Mike Bobo, the interim, and then Will Muschamp? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Two of them are here. And as Georgia coordinators at this moment. Here's a recruiting question from Sumter Dog One. It says, I love your stories, Coach Donna, and they are gold. What big time recruit did you think you were getting that at UGA that surprisingly got away? What were the circumstances surrounding them going elsewhere? I mean, we have three days and 14 nights to talk about this. Uh, uh, you have about three and a half minutes. You always. You always got guys that you lose that you think you're going to get. And uh, I, I don't know anybody in particular that I'd want to go into the, the nuances of uh, when I thought we were going to have him and not. But uh, there, there's too many of them to really single out one guy. But uh, I lost Ben Watson but got him on the rebound. <laughs> Did you ever lose any of them because they got paid? Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> Just curious if you were going to answer it. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I will point out, since we're talking about rebounds, in 2023, Mike Bobo is George's offensive coordinator. Stacy Searles is the offensive line coach. And Brian McClendon is the wide receivers coach. Josh Brooks, the athletic director. In 2010, Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator. Stacy Searles was the offensive line coach. Brian McClendon was the running backs coach. And Josh Brooks was the director of football operations. So right. it all comes back around. Hey, right. they got the band back together. Somebody called John Lilly. Get him on the horn. Yeah. Hey, here comes Coach Fabris. We need a special teams coordinator. Don't tell Mac Brown I said that because I know he likes having John up there, Coach. Yeah, right. Uh, I, all right, one thing, though, Coach, and I guess we can wrap with this because that's all the, the questions that we have uh, from UGASports.com. With so much transition, with Munkin being out, with Buster Faulkner being gone, who were some of the other people at Georgia still that behind the scenes will be helping Mike Bobo do this? And should we anticipate someone coming to take that analyst role that he's had? Yeah, you're going to have to get somebody in there and it's maybe somebody Mike been involved with. But, uh, you know, Montgomery Van Gorder has been really a, a big part of our success here. He's worked hard with, uh, with the offense, but he also very instrumental working with Kirby on the staff distribution during practice and organization like that. And Ryan helps with the receivers and, and quarterbacks play, play quarterback at Miami. Uh, both those guys, to me, be nice to keep them here, but they might be guys that Munkin would try to take with him too. Uh, 
Jess Sutherland is another young coach that works with the quarterbacks that hopefully he'll get the chance to move up here too. But I'm sure uh, Kirby has some people in mind and Mike has some people that will uh, move in there. That was a, a good move by Buster. I mean, you know, professionally uh, he, he had to take a cut in salary and all that, but uh, he ends up with a power five coordinator job after, after working in this role here at Georgia. I mean, if that analyst spot is, is like an interviewing thing, that's a pretty highly coveted position, I would think, when you look at where Jay Johnson's gone from there, when you look at what Buster Faulkner's done from there, and now Mike Bobo, too. Sure. And really? people want to get associated with Georgia. I mean, uh, you know, Eddie Gordon just got a good job. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about uh, being around, and not just the winning, but the planning, the – the organization, the the practice schedule, the recruiting meetings, the recruiting weekends. Uh, I know Mac Brown has told me uh, they've hired a nutritionist that was at Georgia and just invaluable. Some of the things that she brought to the table about what we do here. Uh, another person that that worked on the in the recruiting talk about what they did, just like little things that they gave the players when they got to their rooms things that were on their beds that, you know, uh, memorabilia, sweets, things like that. Uh, those are things that, you, you know, you think you're doing a good job, but uh, then you got somebody in that's done it another way and the team that's been in the top two or three in recruiting every year, then those are good ideas. Yeah, was, wasn't that one of the first hires that uh, Billy Napier made down in Florida was to come after one of Georgia's recruiting? Right. Uh, right. Was that before or after the game-changing coordinator? Oh yeah, the game changing is is the uh, special teams. But hey, congratulations to Billy. He just got in the Furman Hall of Fame. Uh, good quarterback there. He was he was an outstanding player for the Purple Paladins. And uh, Billy is a good football coach. And uh, they just got to get some players. And I said it when he when he hired some of the guys that that he hired. I just didn't think that they had the kind of staff that you got to have overall uh, to compete. Uh, you can talk about players all you want, but you got to have coaches too that, that can compete on this level. The ones that can compete uh, for the nine months to getting those kids before signing day too. I think exactly. I think George Strong there. Hi, right, folks. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday. We'll I'm sure we'll have more uh, fallout, more discussion, and uh, be sure to get your questions in at ujsports.com. Uh, confetti updates for those who are asking if you haven't received your confetti yet. Please be patient. Uh, we uh, by this afternoon we will ship the two thousand envelopes, so uh, two thirds of the way there. But we still have a good ways to go. So if you haven't gotten it, don't panic. It's coming. It just uh, <laughs> it takes a while to get it all together. So just please be patient with us and uh, keep checking your mailbox. We'll see you next week. Take care.